and welcome to The Week with Roger, a conversation between analysts about all things telecom. I'm Don Kellogg, and with me as always is Roger Entner. How you doing, Roger? I'm great. How are you? I'm good. So what do we have to talk about this week? The Department of Defense issuing a, a request for information on how to use the 3.45 to 3.55 spectrum for 5G. Now, that's the spectrum that's adjacent to the CBRS band, correct? Yes, and it's in the uh, greater global 5G band as well. So this is where the rest of the world is doing 5G. And so what are the implications in terms of the usage of that spectrum relative to you know, military operations versus private 5G? Well, right now... In 3.1 to 3.55, the U.S. military is using this frequency for, quote-unquote, high-powered airborne ground-based and ship-based radar operations. It's just the the rest of the world, especially 3.2 to 3.4 gigahertz, is using that for 5G. So the DOD basically needs to reallocate where it does this. And here, based on an instruction by the by the White House, they need to start looking at 3.45 to 3.55. And so the question is, how will this be run in, in the U.S., right? Will the spectrum be auctioned? Will the spectrum be given to multiple companies, to one company, all of that? Uh, will it have to interoperate? Because everything that the DOD writes here is about dynamic spectrum sharing. So they are under the impression that they will continue to have their radar and give it away for commercial use too. There isn't really technology yet out there that lets, you know, what is from a, from a spectrum and from an electroengineering perspective, a brute force like radar to interoperate with with mobile communications. On top of that, 100 megahertz is not really a lot of spectrum, at least for a a standalone network, right? So this would have to augment existing assets, or would this be completely separate, or that's unclear at this point? Well, it depends on who who wins this. It's about 14% of of total capacity. Now, for an old-time you know, 1G, 2, 3G, 3G, even 4G network, 100 megahertz was a lot of spectrum. In 5G, it is not. You want to have 100 megahertz channels. In the previous generations, you had like five by fives. Here, you want to have now 100. In millimeter wave, we have like multiple hundreds. You know, the big carriers have like 400, 800, 1200 megahertz, not just 100. So, you know, in a way, a lot of this reads like somebody from Rivada helped them write it, who, if you remember it, were the ones that were also bidding on on FirstNet and who who are working with a lot of the, you know, high-powered folks at the Republican Party. That's how probably that that pledge to have a nationwide 5G network made it into the Republican platform. So it's going to be very interesting of how this plays out. Ultimately, especially when we look on a global basis, 
with global deployment of 5G and how every global you know 5G phone and and an and antenna turns into an interferer for our radar and makes it essentially blind we should take into account that first because our navy and and air force and military operates on a global basis uh and then we will see what happens here but i think there's still ways to go all right well certainly an interesting development and we'll keep checking in on it as that process uh moves forward Let's talk a little bit about uh, 5G standalone core. So T-Mobile turned on their 5G standalone core network sitting on 600 megahertz recently. Yep. You know, the biggest impact there is that you're no longer tied to the 4G signal for coverage. This is a little bit of a different approach relative to the way that AT&T and Verizon are deploying 5G. Do you want to talk a little bit about kind of our perspectives on standalone core at 600 megahertz for T-Mobile relative to what... Uh, AT&T and uh, Verizon are doing here? Well, first of all, you know, big congratulations to T-Mobile for being the first with 5G standalone core. They also needed it the most because they're under the non-standalone core, your 4G signal determines your coverage. And the 4G signal was carried in the AWS spectrum, which has problems penetrating walls and simply propagating faster. By going standalone core, immediately the signal gets controlled by the 600 megahertz uh, channel. And basically with a flip of a switch, their 5G coverage went from 200 million to 250 million. And in urban areas, goes into basements and, and everywhere. Big, big, big step forward. So when we look at AT&T, they're running their 5G in 10 megahertz in 850, where they are also running 4G. So they never had that coverage problem. Verizon hasn't done anything in low band. They have some spectrum in the millimeter wave where they're using it in some locations. That never had properly the chance to get into building, unless you have like an antenna right there. They're not in that problem either. So. T-Mobile had the had the biggest upside for it, so yeah. Then this then your latency goes further down, and it enables some other technologies like edge computing and the like, which are not really fully mature yet. But that's why you see both AT and T, and I think Igal Elbats from AT and T mentioned it this week at a at a conference that they're going at this at a much more gradual uh, speed because. They have already virtualized their non-standalone core. And so a lot of the advantages they've had, Verizon is talking about it because for them, mobile edge computing is a is a big talking point for 5G. And they talked that they have a partnership with Amazon around that. AT&T has one with Microsoft, but they are pushing this very hard as their differentiator. So it's clear why the different companies are going at a different pace at this time. And it's simply what do they need and when do they need it? So that's a great segue to our third topic, which is a complaint that Verizon AT&T lodged recently around uh, T-Mobile's total spectrum holdings. So let's talk a little bit about that, Roger. What's what's going on here and what, what's the, the gist in terms of what a, Verizon AT&T are complaining about? Well, 
for a long time the the FCC had a a spectrum screen which determined how much spectrum a a, a carrier can have in a given market so that it does not have a unfair or or significant advantage in one market compared to their competitors that spectrum screen com- went completely out of the window with the T-Mobile Sprint merger and rightfully when you listen to to Mike Sievert or or Neville Ray they say we have such a wonderful spectrum position we're going to win so hard because we have you know double the spectrum of uh, Verizon or or AT&T in the low and mid band then they also leased uh, spectrum in 600 megahertz from Columbia Capital first Verizon and now AT&T basically said but wait spectrum screen this is unfair that T-Mobile has or at least in the past it was always unfair that you know one carrier could have so much more spectrum than all the others can you please look at that so they lodged that complaint and from a historic perspective absolutely right you know the spectrum screen was there for a reason so that spectrum doesn't distort competition in a significant way but on the other hand the fcc has worked now for at least a decade if not if not two to create a secondary leasing market for spectrum and so this is like one of the successes of that that initiative to to get spectrum holders to lease the spectrum to companies that are actually operating and it's much better for the american people that spectrum gets used than than if it's idle so here we have like these two conflicting goals and and ideals one is use as much spectrum as we can and the other one is let's not distort the market by giving one company double the spectrum of every of their competitors go clashing head to head the big question is like who will win out right uh, i don't think this will be solved this year so this will make it even harder to predict it because there will be a change in in fcc commissioners if well there will be a change in fcc commissioners because commissioner o'reilly will be replaced by a another republican commissioner and if we have a change in government chairman pai would no longer be be the chairman because traditionally whoever is the party in the white house is determining who is the fcc chairman so we both have to look at the economy and we have a different setup anyway and this complaint was just like lodged now this will be decided early early next year if if there's no change in government and more towards the middle of next year if there is a change in government because then it has to play out who will be the next democratic commissioner because chairman pai would probably step down traditionally if the 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 chairman of the former incumbent of the white house steps down because nobody wants to be a ranking member when they were the chairman and ran the show so we'll, we'll see what happens it's it's way too early to tell i don't think anybody can predict if 
who will be the winner there and you know the different fcc commissioners will make will make a decision but it's it's interesting how things have turned around right T-Mobile did a fantastic job convincing the commission that Verizon and AT&T had too much spectrum, and that's why they wouldn't be allowed to bid on 600 megahertz. And T-Mobile then basically was the biggest winner of the 600 megahertz auction with 37 megahertz on average, right? That's where they run 5G, and then they buy Sprint, and now they they have a really really strong dominant and i'm not a lawyer right so don't don't take me with dominant in in a legal sense market position when it comes to spectrum sprint had really expansive spectrum holdings as well right so the the combination entity of t-mobile and sprint plus the 600 megahertz holdings uh really what's driving this especially in 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 the 2.5 gig band Sprint and now T-Mobile have a uh, 130 megahertz there, and they're the only ones in the country with a, a sizable midband spectrum. AT&T has like 20 or 30 megahertz spectrum in WBS, which is 2300. But other than that, it's T-Mobile. That's where that's why the C-band auction that comes up later this year is is so hotly contested. And in a in a investor call recently, Mike Siever, the CEO of T-Mobile, said, "Like you know, we'll be very judicious, but we expect AT and T and T-Mobile to overpay for the this spectrum band that we already have, and we have the better half of it." He, he was very very happy about the position he was in, and uh, couldn't deny a smile of the position his competition was in. And I guess that now that the, as a, as a response. The others filed with the FCC. So it seems to me that the resolution of this issue, or if it is is going to be resolved, if that happens before the C-band auction versus after, that's going to be a really big. Oh, it will be after. It would yeah, be. After. It will be after. It it will be determined sometime in 2020. Well, I think that's all we have for today. Thanks for taking the time to talk today, Roger, and we'll uh, catch you again next week. Thank you. Bye bye.